0: Particle would like to pay respects to the traditional owners of the land we record on, the Wajuk people. We also acknowledge the role of Aboriginal people as the first scientists in Australia. Welcome to a very special season of the Particle podcast. We're calling it Summer Shorts, a guide to the science of summer. I'm your host, Rose Kerr, and today we are reflecting on the year that was 2020 by catching up with some very special guests. If you like the Particle podcast, please leave a review, subscribe, and tell a friend. We really appreciate all the love and support. So we launched the Particle Podcast almost a year ago in March 2020. Since then, we've produced 30 episodes over three seasons and even three additional episodes in our summer short season. So that's over 30 scientists, almost all from Western Australia, sharing their stories and fun facts. We've covered topics from particles to poo, bees to barnacles, taxes to taxidermy and space to spiders. It's been a full year since I last spoke to some of our guests, so we thought it would seem fit to ask them how they've been.
1: Hi, I'm Georgina Sosia and I'm a lecturer at Curtin University. My specialty is forensic chemistry.
2: Hi, I'm Christian Peterson and I'm a sound technician.
1: Hi I'm Laura
3: Skates, I'm a botanist and science communicator and I study carnivorous plants.
4: Hi I'm Jim, I'm a meteorologist.
5: Hi, I'm Jordan, and I'm a mechatronic engineer.
2: Hi, I'm Sophie, and I'm a researcher looking at how animals respond to habitat change and restoration. I started by asking, what's changed since
0: last time we spoke?
2: Well, I finally uh, ended my time as a uh, as a student and became a doctor, so that was very wow, exciting. So. That's amazing! Congratulations! Yeah, thanks. Officially graduated, and it was nice to actually be able to have a in person graduation as well, mm-hmm. even if it was weirdly socially distanced. But that was still good. Oh, that's so great! How did it feel? For the most part of the graduation, terrifying because I was on stage in front of everybody else. So that was horrifying oh as God. a slightly introverted person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, huge huge relief to have that chapter of my life out the way and officially being able to use the title at last
0: that's so cool <laughs> so have you signed things as doctor
2: oh yeah i made sure to immediately change all of my bills to be addressed <laughs> to doctor uh well the main thing is that i submitted my
3: phd yay yay <laughs> which is a really good feeling
0: yeah no kidding how did it feel to hand it in
3: uh big relief um and yeah just big weight off the shoulders um, and very exciting.
0: (laughs) Did it feel weird not having to do it anymore?
3: It did feel weird, yeah. Like, I guess it was like, oh, what do I do now? I I guess I relax. (laughs) (laughs) What is
0: that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What's changed since last time we spoke? COVID. Yeah. <laughs> well,
5: I don't know, has it? Because I feel like we were, the last time we spoke, we were still in the middle of everything, weren't we?
0: No, I think it was right before lockdown happened. Oh,
5: right, yeah, so COVID happened. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
5: it just made everything a little bit different and, like, it just the whole being in a university didn't feel like being in a university because no one was in university anymore. Um, that was a bit, that was a bit of a change, a massive change, really, but... Yeah. Um, other than that, it's just been more of the same. Just I'm a PhD candidate now, which is um, exciting. Great. Yeah, I've passed my first milestone. Well done. Um, and just trying to crack the code of emotional intelligence, I guess, right? Oh, that's That's it. so cool. Yeah. How does
0: that actually work, the whole – the different stages and becoming a candidate?
5: Uh, so it's split. You have uh, four milestones split over the time that you're pretty much funded. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So the first milestone is just – It's like a reflection on this is exactly what I'm going to do for the next three years. This is how I'm going to do it. These Ah. are my goals, contributions, challenges, that sort of thing. And then after that, so it's like the first six months probation, really. It's like, what have you done in the first six months to prove that what you're going to do for the next three years is good enough? Or at least that's how I see it. Um, Maybe if you ask professors, they'll be like, (laughs) we just want to see if we want to spend more time on this guy. So, Yeah. So the next milestone is in August, which is like the midway point. Okay. Uh, What have you done so far? How are you going? Kind of thing. So it's just progressive work because obviously it's not assessment based. Yeah. It's like, cool. Here's a huge period of time. Mm. What have you done in this time to justify you being here?
0: What's something you're proud of for 2020? 2020.
4: I think the thing I'm one of the things I'm most proud of uh, at work is uh, me and another forecaster set up like a rostering kind of program, um, which there's lots of shift swaps that happen in BOM and uh, lots of extra shifts that people do and stuff like that. And uh, me and this other person set up this um, website that lets you kind of do all that sort of stuff and it also alerts for fatigue as well. So that's something I've set up over the past couple of days It'll, is it will send an email when someone goes over certain hours per seven days or certain hours per 14 days um and i was actually i actually would have done a shift tomorrow um except uh the it, it uh i triggered the fatigue alert oh, so, so, so <laughs> system. I, I said i said yes to it i said yes to it and then i got um foiled by my own system so oh.
5: yeah
1: <laughs> i'm gonna say the fact that we survived relatively intact yeah uh and this year uh, I've been really proud of the students who I've supervised, who have managed to make some amazing progress despite all the challenges that have been thrown their way. And I've been proud that I've been able to help them to do that.
2: The highlights. Look, the one we did a concert down in Bustleton, um, Good Day Sunshine, and uh, we we had a big stage in the middle, uh, and there was a revolve, and all the bands played on this revolve, spinning around in circles to the different uh, audience in 360 around them, and. Um, I, I sort of came on towards the end of this um, of this and uh, was doing I was operating the revolver. It was it was quite fun actually. It's not something I normally do, but um, you know it was a good day, laughing with everyone and some great acts. So it was a lot of fun.
0: What are you working on now?
5: so this last paper that i just wrote was about explainable artificial intelligence now i remember when we spoke last time we had the conversation about trust and how we can trust machines and so this paper kind of explores that in a way because it's looking at what elements do we put in these machines to make us trust them more so it's like actually showing the data that's coming out and how it get like it's making the black box transparent yeah like that's it like in a nutshell it's we don't we don't want to trust something if we don't know what's going on in Mm -hmm. the background kind of thing and um that's it like that's been my last couple of months and now i'm going back to trying it was just like a little bit of a detour but also in the same way using what i've already done because i've kind of shown that we can make explainable ai because Mm -hmm. if we If people have stuff that they can see, then they can trust and it's like, cool. Like, I know how you've made this decision and I can see how accurate you are. So I can see like whether or not I can trust your decision based on my expert opinion.
1: We've been doing some really cool work on finger marks lately. I have a PhD student who's working on pushing the boundaries of finger mark detection. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially one of the common questions we get is how long can you keep detecting a finger mark? So we found ourselves in possession of a bunch of really old documents that we've been testing, and our student, Jemmy, has actually been able to detect finger marks left on a journal dated two days after Paris fell in World War II. Whoa. Which has never been done before using the type of <sighs> techniques that he's using. That is so exciting.
0: In kind of most simple terms, can you explain what the process
1: is, how he's doing it? He's using a chemical reagent called indane dione. And you may have seen on TV that often the police will spray paper with a spray that turns finger marks purple. That's a really similar technique called an The difference with indane dione is it doesn't make the print coloured, but it does make it fluorescent. So that if you view it under the right lighting and the right filters, it appears to glow.
0: Wow, that is so cool. Is the idea that that
1: could be used in historic crime cases. Yeah, we're really excited about this because it's the oldest finger mark we've detected using this type of technique. So this could be really important for things like cold case reviews. So at
3: the moment, I'm working on a project about science communication at Botanic Gardens, which I'm super excited about because it combines two things that I'm really passionate about. um, And it's a great chance to delve into that topic. Um, so I'm doing that project as an Australian research postgraduate internship,
0: cool. um,
3: which is a specific program for PhD students uh, and it's supported by the Friends of Kings Park, which are a really wonderful organisation uh, that support the Kings Park and Botanic Gardens.
2: I was really lucky that I was offered a, um, a year-long research contract. Um, so. I've got that until about May next year, which is really exciting, particularly at the moment with a lot of people out of work. Um, so it's a pretty cool project, though. I get to spend more time at the, the site that I was up for the oh, PhD. Um, but instead now of looking at restoration, we're looking at how uh, noise from human activities impact animals, that's, that's pretty
0: cool. cool. What kind of noise?
2: Uh, so basically any kind of noise generated by mining and human activities. Mm-hmm. So trucks going past, um, trains, uh, noise along linear infrastructure, actual like blasting operations, pretty much everything that we can pick up.
0: Yeah, and how are you testing for it?
2: Uh, So we're doing, uh, we're using two different um, types of equipment. The first is camera tracks, which we've used quite a lot of um, for the PhD. So we've got those out in the bush to see what animals are around and in what abundance and that sort of thing. Uh, But to actually measure, uh, the noise levels of the environment, we've set out some um, bioacoustic recorders. And s- so these basically are measuring not just the human noises, but uh, what types of birds and it- basically any kind of animal calls that we can pick up.
0: Found any really cool ones?
2: I started looking uh, looking through some of the, the noise uh, recordings and it's quite, quite exciting. I mean, I don't know a lot about bird call identification yet, which I'm sure I will do soon. Yes, yeah, very uh, soon. But there are some... <laughs> quite beautiful uh, different calls that the Australian birds make. So that's been really interesting to have a look through and also <laughs> interesting to, to see what kind of other human-related noises are picked up. Um, I mean, we don't get a lot of actual, you know, people noises because they're all in the bush, but actually, you know, being able to hear what's happening when I'm not around is quite, quite mm. interesting.
0: And, of course, we couldn't let our guests leave without asking some questionable questions. If 2020 was a sound, what would it be? Um,
2: so if 2020 was a sound, it would probably be me having a conversation. that's going really well. And then suddenly the, the mic just unplugs. How big would a carnivorous
0: plant have to be in order to eat a person?
3: Pretty big. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'd assume. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean... So I guess the thing is, yeah, obviously if you're going to fit a whole person in there, it'd have to be at least person-sized. But on top of that, a lot of carnivorous plants, if they have too big a bit of prey in their trap, then the prey actually ends up Uh, decomposing and rotting Mm. and then that can cause the actual leafy trap to start to rot as well so it's not really good for the plant to have too big of a meal Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of carnivorous plants like the nepenthes pitcher plants actually have little helpers uh, like ants and things like that that will dive in and grab some of the bigger pieces and take them away for themselves like sharing yeah and then it you know it's a nice symbiosis mutually beneficial relationship so yeah I suppose if one was to get a carnivorous plant big enough for a human but it'd probably need some little helpers as well
0: that's kind of cute in like a really morbid (laughs) way yeah in a really gruesome way with all the bushfires and things are you able to forecast those firestorms and things like that the
4: Um, so we do forecast like fire danger Mm. and that's, that's basically related to wind strength. It's, it's mostly wind strength to be honest, but also, um, how dry it is and how hot it is. Um, and that we just say like, okay, it's, um, very high, severe, yeah. catastrophic. Don't light any um, fires. Don't blah blah blah. But we well one thing we can't do is predict if there's gonna be a fire or not. Yeah, so of course. if there's no fires, it's actually not a problem. Yeah. Like it's really hot and dry, but like if there's no fires, it's fine. Um the uh yeah, the what you're talking about, the bushfire kind of storms. Yeah, how they is, kind um, of create their own weather yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, So it's that's known as so it was known as pyro. Cum- cumulonimbus mm. um it's now changed names oh. i think the cloud the actual name of the clouds yeah. changed names i don't know what the new name is but um yeah that happens what, what you need for a storm is like instability um so you need like surface heating and surface moisture and that'll kick off a storm okay. so when a fire burns it actually it releases heat obviously but it also releases moisture which is something i didn't know um yeah so it releases moisture and heat and um That can be enough to kick off a storm where you otherwise wouldn't have gotten a storm in that environment.
0: Considering at least the start of next year will likely be similar situations, like similar situations for students, do you have any advice for students, kind of whether they're just starting university and it's going to be quite different, or returning students to try to get through some of those harder times?
1: My biggest tip is to reach out. It is so easy when you're studying online to feel isolated and feel like you don't have that connection with your teachers and the other people in your class. Set up a Discord server, set up Facebook groups, organize to meet each other, socially distanced in the library for study sessions, but reach out and make those connections because they will keep you sane.
0: Do you think you could tell if you were talking to an AI? Yes. How?
5: Um, I ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yes. Maybe because I... Um, how could you tell if you're talking to an AI? Uh, well, if you, get, you we get robocalls all the time. I True. Hate it. Um, but that's so basic. You are getting something from the tax authority. Mm-hmm. Please accept. But I think when you like you start going towards the advance, I guess... I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. I've um, never really thought about it, but I'd guess... I'd be able to tell by the patterns in what they're saying and being able to see if it's just vague yeah. or not. Yeah. Because there's certain stuff in language that is so beyond just like computer natural language processing. Like, you've, I'm not sure if you've seen like, AI write novels and stuff like that and I it's just have. like yeah and like AI writing fan fiction <laughs> and it's just the weirdest like way to speak and i think uh, that's how i would point mm. it out and just see how stuff is actually structured and if it's not just copy paste answers kind of thing
0: yeah, yeah that makes perfect sense do you think in the future there'll be AI systems that are so intelligent that we won't be able to tell anymore
5: yes Um, I think so yeah I think maybe we're not talking 50 years Um, maybe we are I don't know Uh, because technology is such like an exponential curve yeah um, that what we thought wasn't possible 10 years ago is now super possible and so we can't really see what's going to be possible in the next 50 years but I think yeah it's I think it should be Um, not it should be like (laughs) definitely I believe this is the case but I mean like There's a very high possibility and probability that we won't be able to tell the difference.
0: That's why we need your study. Yeah. So you know whether or not to trust it.
5: Uh Exactly. That's why we need to explain why because we need to be able to tell whether or not, like, we need to find the evidence as to why they're so realistic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's a very nice full circle. Thanks for listening to the Particle podcast. You can find Particle on all of the socials as well as at particle.scitech.org.au. This episode was made by me, Rose Kerr, and I just want to say a huge thank you to all the guests that took time out of their summer holidays to come visit me and have a bit of a catch up. Stay tuned for more Particle bonus episodes coming soon. particle podcast is brought to you by scitech everything we make is made in the wonderful science hub of wa on watch country